0: BLOB TALK
1: RADIO Live from a bunker just outside of Panic City, this is the Happy Recap Radio for this Sunday, April 9th, 2017. From our viewpoint, we could see the cliff over Panic City, the people lining up like lemmings, and we can see the riots in the streets of Panic City, but EJ, you and I, we're not in Panic City I don't feel like at this point.
0: I am firmly entrenched here in Chilltown instead. It's the first week of the season. It is a 2 and 3 record over the course of a 162 game period, and it's funny, I actually I went back and I was listening to part of our broadcast from about a year ago when the Mets opened uh, the season on uh, ESPN Sunday night baseball. And I had a pretty, pretty good rant about it at that time. And uh, really one of the big cruxes of my rant was the fact that I was refusing to watch that game because there are in fact 162 episodes of the television show known as major league baseball. So I am definitely not hanging out in Panic City as of yet. Do I have some concerns? Absolutely. I'm sure we'll talk about them. But, yeah, I'm not in a, a blind panic as much of hashtag Mets Twitter definitely seems to be.
1: No, I don't. I, I'm not one of those that hits the panic circuit. I mean, certainly, I mean, you know, I, always, I always joke when the Mets start off around about this point that's like, well, you know, they started off two and three in 1986 as well. Can you imagine Mets Twitter in 1986? If, uh, you know, they'd start off two and three just like they did. Can you imagine? Fire, fire, fire Davey, fire Frank, really, uh, trade Daryl. I mean, these are the things yeah. you'll probably see on 1986 Mets Twitter.
0: Yeah, the speculation that Doc must be injured or uh, Gary's uh, throwing arm isn't up to shape this season. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine the rampant speculation that would have gone on post a two and three record in 1986.
1: And just a, uh, just a quick little baseball note uh, that's uh, coming across the wire from both uh, John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal, the nationals and their ever loving horrible bullpen have apparently found their temporary solution on a minor league deal to Joe Nathan.
0: Yeah, okay. It's reclamation project. They'll probably, it's uh, probably costing them very little. So it could be one of those,
1: one of those scrap
0: heap kind of deals that, maybe works out for them.
1: Yeah, you never know. I mean, certainly uh, they could have used some bullpen help yesterday, that's for sure, as, as the Nationals gave up. Was it 12 runs in the first inning?
0: Yeah, the uh, the starting pitcher for the Nats yesterday
1: leaves that game with an ERA
0: of 135.
1: And it wasn't a rookie either. I, I'm pretty sure it was Guthrie starting for them yesterday. Oh, yes, it goodness. was.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Guthrie, and yeah, he has. A, he now has to sit there for five days. And anytime he checks his own page on Baseball Reference or on ESPN, he's going to see an ERA of 135 until
1: he gets his next start.
0: Actually, I don't think he's going to get another start. I think they actually uh, sent him down today.
1: Oh, oh man! I tell you, that is just. Yeah, that's one. Uh, if you don't make it back to the bigs this year, and you do next year, you, you want to see that baseball card? I don't think so.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd uh, you'd rather they just put a DNP next to your name for the entire season.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, back to Mets baseball. I mean, certainly, obviously, the the you know, that, I think that's one of the things that helps keep me out of Panic City, though. There, the the, the um, National League East. If there's one thing I think it has shown me over this opening week is. It's 100% flawed baseball. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean,
1: we talk about the the Phillies.
0: Yeah, what we talk about the Phillies, and they're the ones who put that whooping on the Nationals yesterday. Uh, The Braves, obviously, much better than last year as uh, they continue to develop, and they they went out and they got some uh, former Mets pitchers to help out solidify their rotation, and I think it's, a much more solid one as of now, but you're right. Every team in the National League East right now has some, some pretty big concerns, I would say. And I think really the the whole season is going to come down to is who addresses the concerns the most and who addresses them as, as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the, and that's the key. I mean, obviously the Mets have some, you know, some help coming from within here. I mean, Ligaris is expected back potentially as early as next weekend. Uh, you know, I have a feeling it will probably stretch into the following week. We get uh, we, we get Familia back here pretty soon as well as uh, that suspension turned out to be a lot shorter than I think most of us expected. Um, and, and certainly, you know, you, you, you can do the morality play in your own mind about how you feel about that. And obviously, I think everybody's thoughts on that are valid and, uh, you know, well-placed. But at the end of the day, you, you, you still have a situation where the Mets have to play baseball and uh, the Mets are a better bullpen with Familia so you have to look at that. Uh, so you have some reinforcements coming. And, um, you know, for this year, as much as we you know, bemoan uh, Sunday Night Baseball, we've got Michael Conforto in the lineup tonight for the first time this season.
0: Yeah, that's much needed to happen. Um, honestly, my, that, my number one concern right now has been the lineup construction because we all know about the streaky tendencies of Neil Walker, of Lucas Duda, of jay bruce and let's face it i can't even call arno streaky anymore he's just not a good offensive player so right now all your streaky players are cold and you're looking at lineups where five through nine are pretty much automatic outs except on days when noah Sindergaard is uh pitching and then hopefully you can squeeze out a hit or two from him that's really the the main concern right now i wouldn't mind seeing a couple day stretch here of giving some conforto there is it's mind-boggling to me that T.J. Rivera cannot find the field when the kid was pretty much one of the main responsible parties in getting us into that one-game wildcard uh, game last year. I mean, this kid just hits wherever he goes. And the fact is, that's what the Mets need right now. They don't need power in the lineup. They need consistency in the lineup. So the fact that Rivera seemingly can't find the field, and then Wilmer Flores can't find the field unless it's a lefty on the mound. Now, I know he's much better against lefties than righties, but it's not like you're getting production elsewhere. So it wouldn't hurt to take a shot, maybe give some of these guys more than just a game. Give them two or three games and see if you can maybe get one of them into a pretty good rhythm here.
1: Yeah, and as uh, one, of, one of our good friends on uh, Twitter points out, and I think that's interesting, our friend uh, team Thirst Trap, if the Mets win tonight, there'll be a four-way tie for first in the NL East.
0: <laughs>
1: Tell me that's yeah, that That kind of sums over. up the division. That sums up the division. That sums up it, and that, for the record, that would put the Mets at three and three, and basically the entire division, save for one, at three and three.
0: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And you know what? It could very well end up being a scenario where the division is isn't one in the nineties. It is closer to that five hundred number. We'll have to see how it plays out here.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly an interesting division and, uh, you know, we certainly have a lot of things going on with it. Um, uh, you know, in the first time, you know, we've, we've made it through the rotation first time through, obviously with uh Thor on the mound tonight for uh for Sunday night baseball. Um, uh, but, um, the, um, I think the, uh, the, the two, the, the three things worth discussing, obviously. I mean, we, we, we do avoid the su- subject occasionally on this show, um, Mr. Harvey, I think it's worth discussing um, how he looked in game three. And then, of course, um, the, um, you know, the, I don't want to call them wipeouts by uh, Gesellman and, and uh, Wheeler, but, uh, you know, certainly not, I think, what we were hoping from either of them. Although, quite frankly, seeing Wheeler on the mound, just seeing Wheeler on the mound and pitching, you know, a couple innings there, that was just encouraging to me. But let's start talking. I mean, To me, that looked like minus a couple miles an hour vintage Harvey on um, Thursday.
0: It definitely looked closer to 2013 Harvey than the more recent version of Harvey that we saw. It definitely looked like the command was there. Um, It looked like the velocity was getting there. And and bear in mind, it's been cold here in New York. So you got to figure that will improve as the temperatures get a little bit warmer. Um, And it did. I just I saw a little bit of the kind of that swagger there again that you like to see out of him. So um, it's just one start and coming off a pretty decent spring. I, I feel better about Harvey off this one start than I did coming into the season. I feel more likely that there is a chance. While we might not see that rookie Matt Harvey ever again, I don't think we'll see the most recent version of Mark, Matt Harvey ever again either.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I, for me, it was, I mean, the, the thing that got me, especially with the, the problem that Harvey had last year, was how economical he was with his pitching. I mean, how, how quickly he was taking care of batters on Thursday. The fact that he was you know, not exactly mowing them down, so to speak, but he was using a very economical, a couple of you know, single-digit pitch innings, and it uh, you know, winds up, I think it was around 75 pitches, if I'm not mistaken, and he went six full. Yeah, that's
0: a really nice sign to see. And I think that we, we've we said that about all the strikeout pitchers, that it's great when they're throwing up 10Ks a game, but it's not that great when they have to get yanked at the sixth inning because they're at 110 pitches at that point because it took so much to, to knock out those guys. So it was encouraging to see Harvey being, uh, like you said, economical with those pitches. And I think a good part of that as well is I feel like he can he has a defense behind him that he can far more rely on than he could back in 2013 when he was uh, striking the entire world down. It, it must be nice as a pitcher to go out there and have the confidence in the squad behind you that if you, if you pitch to contact, they're going to make the plays for you.
1: Yeah, and, and, and EJ, I don't know if you're from the world of viral videos if you saw that video a couple weeks ago with the uh, reporter from the BBC doing the report on uh, Korea where his kids come running in and making noise and interrupting the interview. Uh, but yes. if you hear it a little bit in the background, uh, I've got the similar thing going on right now. I've got a little <laughs> guest star with me. So if you hear a little bit of noise yelling, "dada," da uh, don't be too distracted by it, unlike me.
0: <laughs> and I will throw that back equally at you as well as uh, my uh, my oldest, actually, has just come downstairs and is staring at me right now. So if uh, if he decides to pipe in, it probably wouldn't be his first appearance on the radio
1: show. No, nor, <laughs> that's one of those things. This was not a, and I'm not going to call it a problem, because it, 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 it's a good thing. Uh, but uh, this is not something we had going on in the early days of the show. But uh, it certainly as life changes, <laughs> these are the complications we deal with. When five minutes yeah, into absolutely. the show, my door, my door just blew open and in came a kid. It was like, okay, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, back you know certainly back to uh, back to Harvey, sure, I I yeah. feel like it you know I, I I was pretty pretty good about that I I, I felt looked good about it, and, you know it's always one of those things that uh, that swagger we look for off the off you know on the mound that we make fun of off the mound if you will is is the key to Harvey and the success and you know it, it, just seeing him with some confidence back because um, he'll never he'll never make it look like he doesn't have confidence although he did look lost a little bit last season um i think that uh you know w- this is good to grow on and, and a good step and i think that uh you know if we can uh if we can get harvey back i mean you know i don't think it matters as much that uh you know gaselman isn't uh, the Gesellman of 2015 if he isn't and uh you know that uh, wheeler isn't uh you know honestly to me wheeler looks i mean I, i'm a wheeler fan but i also recognize that wheeler is those is that guy who is always going to be not economical with his pitches He's going to throw a lot of pitches, and he's going to have control issues from time to time. So to some extent, I kind of, what I saw Friday night, BJ, I thought was sort of vintage Wheeler in some senses.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. He was uh, gutting through a bunch of batters there. He would get hung up on a couple batters where they would feel like their at-bats were going on forever. Um, I mean, for him, I, I was, like you said, I was just encouraged to see him back on the mound. It's been two really long years for the kid. And, and you just want to see him back on the mound regularly and having success. And you gotta you gotta figure there's a pretty uh, pretty good amount of butterflies were fly, flying around in, in the belly for him that night. Because initially, when he when he first got here, it was him and Harvey. They were going to be the one-two punch. And to go from that to kind of hey, your fourth maybe fifth guy up now in this rotation, there's definitely got to be a a little bit of nervousness about that. That he went from an ironclad lock in the rotation to if. His struggles do continue. Like, I could see him being sent on a rehab assignment or a, a, a short minor league demotion like we saw Steve Traxel many moons ago. I, I could see that happening. And it, it's to go from you are ironclad your spot in the rotation for however long your contract is to, eh, we're going to kind of keep an eye on you and monitor you. That's got to be a little frustrating, and I'm hoping that it causes him to, uh, to pitch with a little bit of a chip on his
1: shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like I said, I think that uh you know, Gaselman yesterday pitched well enough to win. Uh, but the, yes. I think he you know, he he didn't he was certainly not a walking disaster by any means. He wasn't Jeremy Guthrie, uh, you know, by any stretch. Uh but uh, you know, I think that the the reality of it is is yet a situation again where the early season offense, which, you know, truthfully, especially coming north from Florida, always seems to fail them at the first week or two of the season. it's not been abysmal there's just certain players that just definitely, I think, left their, uh, left their, their heat, if you will, in the heat and, um, you know, are, are not performing up to, up to par most, uh, you know, most notably in my opinion, you know, of course, Jose Reyes, uh, who, you know, is, is expected to be something of a table starter for this group and has been, uh, not that for the most part, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, obviously the bill, the bull plan imploded a little bit last night, uh, Josh Smoker had, uh, one of the only bad appearances I can think of. And, it, and I mean, he's, he just didn't look good last night, truthfully. Uh, but, um, you know, he, um, we, we, we know that's not typical Josh Smoker and a couple of those guys. I mean, you know, obviously Montero, don't get me started on Montero. I I, I got to say, EJ, I want your take on this. The renaissance, the supposed renaissance of Rafael Montero, are you buying in on it?
0: Yeah, you mean Fernando
1: Nieves? part 2. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: you know, it's frustrating because in the extra inning game, he goes out there and gives you a great inning, and at that point, you you just don't run him back out there for a second inning. You try to build on that. Don't don't force him out there where he could eventually implode. That kind of that was one of my first Terry head scratch moments of the season, but yeah, I'm not I'm not ever going to buy that. Montero's going to pitch consistently enough to maintain part of a rotation or of a a bullpen on a consistent basis. He just walks way too many guys, and you definitely can't have that in close games late.
1: I mean, I got why Montero was in that, I mean, why they went with a second inning in that late game, because, again, when you're in that game, you don't have a whole lot of people, people on that team, especially out of the bullpen, that are anything near stretched out to be able to go more than one inning. Obviously, Montero was starting during spring training somewhat, so he had... You know, the ability to maybe go two or three, if you really needed him to, it's just that those it, you know, that second inning turned out to be utterly sucktastic. Um, so I mean, I don't totally blame Terry there. I kind of get the thinking, but because you're running low on pitchers, it's early in the season. So I mean, now if you'd gotten eight solid out of your starter, there's no reason you send Rafael Montero out for a second inning. I'm sorry, you just don't do that there, or you hold him till later in the game. I mean, I kind of get it there, but at the same time, completely exposed him. 100% completely exposed him. And I think it – I mean, I, I got to think that he's the leading candidate to get sent out when Familia comes up. Yeah, I think
0: that's a, I think that's a no-brainer that he'll be the one who goes down. And you did mention, you which know, Chad's been an issue. The fact that we haven't – as of yet, a week through the season, we haven't gotten length from any of the starters thus far. I mean, Noah probably would have gone more if it wasn't for the blister on his finger. Like you said, Harvey got through six with only seventy-five pitches, so that that is definitely something that you really could use a night tonight where Noah just goes out there and gives you those like seven and two-thirds of absolute dominance that we all know that he's capable of, and kind of gives the bullpen a little little bit of a blow here to to calm down a bit.
1: Yeah, and um, reporting in the past couple minutes um, from uh, NJ.com, Abby Mastrocco, the beat Metro Beat reporter. Did report that uh, there are no limitations on Noah Syndergaard tonight, and the blister is basically gone, and that's for oh, Terry Collins. So, so there are there are no pitch there no pitch limits, no inning limits. Uh, Noah is free to Thor himself. So Very cool. It, I don't, he's, I'm
0: currently in. Uh, I'm without access to the interwebs right now. You mentioned before that Conforto's in the lineup. Do you have the lineup in front of you? Because I'm just curious how Terry. Uh, Terry would develop it with Conforto
1: in. Yeah, give me a half second. Let me bring it. It just popped up on my app, bat app, app, so I'll bring that up for you. Um, it's. I know Rivera is in at catcher today, not unexpectedly, because he's pretty much at this point Syndergaard's personal, personal. catcher. Yeah. Um, but let's see here. Let's see if I can grab a lineup for you. Yeah, here. I'm just curious. I, I,
0: I hate to say anything could be a must win in April, but you really would feel good. Getting a vintage Noah start tonight and uh, and taking down these really just already pain in our neck uh, Florida Marlins.
1: You know it, it's one of those things. No matter what, and here here we go. Uh, lead, leading off, playing third, we got Reyes, uh, shortstop uh, Cabrera, uh, Cespedes and left, uh, Bruce and right hitting cleanup, which cleanup. You know, is only advisable because he's been our one of our hottest bats so far. Uh, Walker uh, playing second, batting fifth, Uh, Duda at first, batting sixth, Conforto seventh, batting playing center field, uh, batting eighth, catching Rene Rivera, and Syndicard uh, pitching and batting ninth.
0: I would have liked to have flip-flopped Conforto and Duda there.
1: I just want to get Duda
0: away from another guy who's been mired in a cold streak right now the way Walker is. I would have liked to have gotten, uh, gotten Conforto in there, but... Oh well, at least he's in. That's that's the important thing. At least he's going to get hopefully four bats tonight.
1: Yeah, and odds are. I mean, this is one of my few. I, again, I, I'm overall. You know, I'm Team Terry overall, uh, but that doesn't mean I am not pro- I am not prone to the head scratches that he that he will give us from time to time. And I could easily see a scenario where Mike Conforto hits a double, single, drives in a couple runs, goes three for four with two, three RBIs, and sits tomorrow. So I mean, yeah. You know, it, it's it's one of those uh it's one of those things where you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and go I, I have really no idea what you know goes into some of these lineups but overall I mean I think it's interesting I I I think if you had told me before the season we'd have a uh situation where um you know Bruce was our cleanup hitter I'd be like oh boy how bad has it gone but uh <laughs> he's been overall you know apart from still kind of looking like a wreck out in right field uh, he gets the job done, but he doesn't make it pretty. Um, Bruce has had a basically good start to the season. He's
0: getting on base a lot. He's he's racking up the walks pretty well. Uh, hasn't really found the power yet, but he is getting on base. He is one of the lone guys who got a hit last night. So, yeah, I mean, I you know I'm not the biggest Jay Bruce fan in the world, but am I. he hasn't been. I think what it has happened is him being in the bottom part of that lineup with Arnold, Duda, and Walker has made it feel like he hasn't gotten much done, but that's simply because the guys batting in front and behind him haven't done anything. So he hasn't had anyone to drive in, nor has he had anyone to drive him in. So it kind of makes you feel like he hasn't been productive, when in fact that hasn't really truly been the case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go on. I mean, you look, you look at, you know, looking ahead a little bit at the schedule here. Uh, next week, uh, well, I should say this week, technically after today's game, we've got a, uh, seven Oh five tomorrow night in Philadelphia. So thankfully we don't have to travel across country after Sunday night baseball. Um, uh, and then we've got the Phillies for three and then the Marlins in Miami for four, uh, where the Mets finally get an off day again on the 17th, uh, come home to play the Phillies and the nationals again on Sunday night baseball in two weeks. But thankfully, at least the day after that, um, you got a, um, you've got a situation where the Mets have the day off afterwards. So the, my biggest complaint about uh, Sunday Night Baseball is usually that how bad they look in the uh, the Monday game, but uh, I think we're in a better position for that at least.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. What is bad is the fact that I don't believe they play a home day game on a Sunday the entire month of April, and that's just really that's screwing over an entire fan base.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and, the, and of course the thing about it is, too, um, they, they don't. I mean, they only have the two home games, and ESPN snagged them both. Um, so, I mean, yeah, those are the only two home games uh, on, on Sundays in April. Um, the next one, May 7th, um, is uh, against the Marlins, and May 21st are the two Sunday games at home in May, and they are both day games, thankfully. I'm just curious what the
0: rationale was behind grabbing tonight's game. Now, I know with the Mets, you have the potential to, to see an ace uh, pretty much four days out of the week. You have that potential. Um, but the Marlins, like the ESPN would think, this is your first Sunday night game outside of opening weekend. This is a pretty big Sunday for your, your casual baseball fan. And yeah, they lucked out because they get cinder guard, but I'd like to know what went on in that boardroom when they were uh, trying to decide – which first weekend to snag? Because there were some pretty, uh, pretty juicy matchups that were going on today. That I, if I not being a Mets fan, if I was just a baseball fan in general, there's a lot more games that I would prefer seeing than Mets Marlins tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Red Sox Tigers. But I mean, looking yeah. at it, uh, um, uh, let's see here. Looking, um, Royals and Astros is not a bad matchup. That was at the top of the 11th right now. So I mean, that's a, that turned out to be a pretty good game. Um. Looking here, um, yeah, I mean, that, car, yeah, so there so really are. I mean, there are a it. tremendous amount of them. But I would have taken Red Sox, Tigers, maybe Yankees, Orioles, uh, Cubs, and Brewers, um, and uh, Royals and Astros. I think are ones I would have taken uh, over that, and maybe uh, Mariners, Angels. So I mean, there are a yeah. couple I would have been like, there's a, some but they're not. There's there. not one that stands out and jumps out like. Oh, this is the one they missed. I mean, there are ones yeah. that I would have chosen over it, but uh, you know, again, it's it's the drag factor of the Marlins. I mean, you know, they're not, you know, there there's just not a, you know, there there's not a lot of expectation for that team this year. Obviously, the Mets have the, have the expectation, but I mean, if that's the case, why not Cubs and Brewers? If you're going to yeah, play absolutely. a, you know, a team with low expectations against a high expectation like Cubs and Brewers. I mean, again, <laughs> you yeah, know, I think the thing is you and I are both biased. Anything to keep our team off Sunday night baseball is a good thing. But, uh, yes. I've, you know, you, putting that bias aside, I think there's a couple games I would have preferred.
0: Yeah, I, I totally get that. You know, it's funny you actually uh, uh, mentioned your, your local team, the Mariners. Have you seen or there been reports on your local news about the, what the newest cuisine is in their ballpark
1: this year? Oh my gosh! Yes, you're talking about you're talking about the, <laughs> talking about the uh, crickets, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Cilantro
0: yeah. chili deep fried crickets. God, I love cilantro chili North deep fried. West. Yeah,
1: I was reading an article in the local paper. It was in the local paper Friday, I think. I was reading about it, and uh, yeah, I, that definitely caught my attention. The uh, yeah, it's a new it's a new because um, I, I don't remember this particular. It's a Mexican restaurant on site, that, and. Uh, I I'd also paid attention cuz they 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 serve uh, carnitas this year and that's one of my favorite Mexican dishes. So, nice. but um uh yeah, that is one of the uh one of the things you can get there are the uh uh the the fried crickets. <laughs> you people just... are
0: weird and I don't lump you into those you people cuz you're native to here. But man, I love the weirdness of the Pacific Northwest.
1: You know, it's one of those things. There's sometimes where it goes a little bit too far, and you know, as somebody who has a problem with gluten tolerance, there are lim- <laughs> there are certain limitations I have put on what I will eat that are gluten free to to enjoy a ball game. Because honestly, a ball game is not the easiest for people like me. I've had I've had discussions with my fellow involuntary uh, gluten intolerant um, uh, celebrity, if you will, Kevin Burkhardt, about these exact things. And um the uh yeah, the ballpark is not the friendliest for us gluten intolerant people, but uh yeah, I'm not willing to go that far, dude. I, <laughs> I can't do that. I, I will not be ordering the crickets this year at Safeco Field when the Mets are in town in July. I just can't do it. See, I could
0: see if it was offered at City, I could see me being at a game with Ryan, our our third troll host of occasion. I could see me being at a game with him and yes, oftentimes when Ryan and I go to Mets games together. We tend to indulge a bit too much, perhaps, at McFadden's beforehand. And Ryan saying, look, turning to me at some point around the 15th, say, well, I'll try the crickets, and maybe you like Yeah, let's try the crickets. So I, I could see us fools going through and uh, and giving them a whirl.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, I, I you know, it's like one year I was at a uh, a multi multi-day music festival, and there was there was no substances involved that made me do this, but on day three. I finally got the courage up to eat the ostrich burger, for example. Um, nice. And, uh, and, you know, it's like one of those things. The day one, you're like, oh my gosh, I would never eat an ostrich burger. Day two, it's like, yeah, I don't think I could do that. Day three is like, ah, what the hell?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, and, you know, that wasn't one, that one half bad. <laughs> I'd eat another one. As Samuel,
0: Samuel L. Jackson would say, that is a tasty burger. Yeah,
1: you know, it's, it, If it's one of those things, it's just – for those ever interested, it's like a slightly stronger-tasting beef, and if somebody didn't tell me, I would just be like, wow, this is really fresh beef because it's got a stronger taste. I would have just assumed it was a beef hamburger. I would not have even thought somebody's given me an alternative meat. I want to know what it is.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good to know in case I ever encounter ostrich burgers on a menu somewhere.
1: But it looks like, I mean, uh, speaking of food, and obviously, you know, uh, since we're a met-centric show, it definitely looks like, uh, as always, if there's one thing that's consistent at city Field is them upping the food game every year, um, and it seems like this year is no uh, no different.
0: Yeah, it looks like they have some new uh, some new offerings, uh, particularly in the sweet environment of the desserts. Yeah, like there's some real tasty new ones. And the big news for me is that they moved Keith's grill from left field to right field, which is huge for me for whenever we sit in the, uh, have they officially announced what the Pepsi area is now called? Is it Coke Corner? Or? Yeah, it's Coke Corner. It, yeah, because That was, was from okay. last year. Yeah, it's been Coke okay. Corner
1: since last year, yeah.
0: So when I sit in Coke Corner, that is like right where you have to be to get a, a Keith's grill, which, and it's controversial, you can come at me at, on Twitter at the Happy Recap, but the burger from Keith's Grill better than Shake Shack. I said it. I'm standing by it and it's a fact.
1: Boy, you know, it it's it's uh you know, having I I I'm going to go with you I mean, here's the thing. I, here's how I look at it. And now not get me wrong, for a fast food burger, Shake Shack's a damn good fast food burger.
0: Oh, but yeah. it's so really what the it bus. is. Yep,
1: It's, you know, I, I'll i take Shake Shack over In-N-Out any day. I'll take it over Five Guys any day. Keith's Grill is not a fast food burger. No. So it's almost an unfair comparison. I wildly agree with you, but uh, it's, you know, it's almost a different kind of burger.
0: Definitely. It's a gourmet burger. And you get a lot. Exactly.
1: Of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and if you're, you're lucky, you there that I one day enough. and
0: Keith is cooking them. <laughs> uh, speaking of burgers i gotta go throw mine on the grill in, uh, prep- in uh, preparation for this evening of game i like to have the whole house wound down by first pitch if uh, at all possible I'll have the kids in bed and my wife watching whichever real housewives franchise she's currently indulging in, so uh so that way i can watch the game undisturbed
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and i you know it certainly uh I, i've i've got. Uh... I've got some requests for my attention as you've heard in the background for the last 20 minutes or so. So, uh, you know, we'll certainly wrap things down here next week. Uh, we, I suspect we'll have a guest again. I've, I've got some people I'm working on. Um, you know, one of the things that's always tough on a, on this particular game one, I like doing a show just you and me, but, uh, when game day is yet to come by golly, it's really hard to get a guest on that when it's a Sunday night baseball. Another thing I gratuitously hate about Sunday night baseball uh, but, uh, one thing I'm looking forward, I'll throw a plug in our good friend, Rich Catino, uh, his new book has just come out and it just arrived on my doorstep on Friday. So, uh, I'll be doing a little pre pre-game reading tonight and post-game reading tonight. Uh, as, uh, we anticipate having him back for, a, for a full show to talk about, uh, basically the life, the history and everything with Rich Catino in his new book. It's, you know, I'm, I, he is one interesting guy with a heck of a story and, you know, especially because. There ain't anybody been on the beat um, as long as him, and so that'll be good. And also, I want to throw some congratulations out. Our good friend Michael Barron uh, rejoining the ranks over at MetsBlog. So I'll uh, we'll get to refer to him as Michael Barron from MetsBlog next time we have him on the show.
0: Yeah, that's great news for Michael. Happy to hear. Happy to see that they're uh, still expanding over there. And hopefully the uh, coverage we get out of them is top-notch as always, and hopefully
1: the happy recaps. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, uh, turn things start the turnaround tonight with uh, Noah Syndergaard on the mound pitching in Sunday night baseball on ESPN. Um, yay! Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was the most enthusiasm you can get out of me. We'll have another show next week. Uh, catch, uh, check our feed out on the Happy Recap, which is uh, manned by the, the the man, the myth, the legend himself, EJ, and you can find me at the Real Who and uh we'll let you know what's coming up on next week's show. We appreciate each and every one of you tuning in each and every week. We know you're out there. We see the numbers and uh we even know where you're calling from. <laughs> but anyway, uh appreciate each and every one of you. Evil laugh non-intended. Uh sorry, that was that comes from hanging out with the uh, Mark Hamill last week, you know, that's doing the joker. So it's kind of kind of uh ingrained on me now, but uh nevertheless, EJ, a pleasure and always fun to do the show with you. You You as well, my friend. We'll talk next week. Absolutely. Until next week, let's go Mets.